When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. Of all these opinions, this is the one that continues to blindside me, dumbfound me, gobsmack me, thunderstrike Just me. blasphemy. Absolute blasphemy. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the Everybody procedure, stay everyone? Calm. What's the procedure? Stay calm! This is the Overreaction Podcast. I am Chase. With me as always, my man Cody. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, man. You know, real life things are moving ahead kind of a little bit, so we might have some might have some news about that in the coming weeks. And then uh, we, we kicked off the biggest draft of the year, the biggest startup dynasty yeah. league of the year, definitely for us and I think for probably 99.5% of people out there. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, this is a a unique draft. It's heroes and villains. It is a 36 team, three copy. So essentially what that means is, is it's three, we'll call them leagues or three conferences uh, of 12 teams in each. And each of them have their own individual draft. So they're all going to be different. And it's USFL style. So it's basically one position a day or uh, one. Yeah, one position a day. And you nominate one person, you can only win two. So we have 32 days of drafting ahead of us. And it's been it's been a blast so far. I've come away day one. We had quarterbacks, which was the maximum chaos. Did get Jalen Hurts for $300. I feel good about that today as of recording. Hopefully I feel the same on Wednesday. Um, anyone else that you I think you, you came away with someone today too? Yeah, I got myself some Derrick Henry. Uh, the difference in difference in values just because of the super flex and the in the position, what the quarterback is worth. Derrick Henry twenty six dollars compared to your Jalen Hurts three hundred dollars. So pretty, <laughs> pretty uh, discrepant, large discrepancy in in depending on which position comes up for you. But uh, you know, you got thirty two entire days at minimum yeah. to do this thing, and at least thirty two rounds. So, got a budget right. The three hundred definitely sets you back a little bit for a guy like Jalen Hurts, though. You do it, and you don't feel too bad at all. Yeah, there's there's some scoring settings as well that come into play here, and and it is juiced a little bit. And so, uh, you know, Jalen has a nice little advantage. Um, I'm also in on Kyler at the very moment. I have my proxy set. And uh, there is a chance that I have spent almost 45% of my budgets on day one of 32. So, uh, again, part of the plan might work out for me, might not. But I, I just couldn't let Kyler go for as cheap as he was. And so I bumped him and we are where we are. But uh, we'll have a fun uh, fun th- you know, month of, of drafting ahead of us. Yeah, it'll be a fun time. And, and real quick, because I, I do need to know this, I was going to look it up beforehand, but I got a little bit too caught up in the in the pre-show work that we were doing here that I was putting together. But this is a heroes and villains themed league. And so if yes. you, you're listening to all the DD content over the next month or so, I'm sure you'll hear a lot about it. I think we were talking about it this morning on 
wake up as well. But uh, we yep. both picked villains, I believe. Honestly, I looked at your guy and I didn't really know who it was. So, so who did you, who did you pick? I oh felt my bad, man. Goodness, you, you have to you have to go watch No Country for Old Men, and I'm Anton Shiger. So he's actually the the ruthless killer in this, and he has like this awesome air, like it's a compressed air gun that he puts a ball bearing in, and actually like you have to watch i don't if you haven't seen it incredible incredible movie um if i believe it's like a, a one of the top movies on rotten tomatoes uh imdb ranks it pretty high as well so you have to watch it incredible killing movie woody harrelson's in it uh amongst others but yeah man it is uh and uh, yeah tommy lee jones is in it too very very good movie if you haven't watched it please everyone out there go check it out uh, make sure you yeah. see No Country for Old Men. That that one's on me. I have heard of it. I think I've seen parts, but no chance that I was going to put that name to that movie just by looking at the name without looking <laughs> yeah. it up. But uh, my my villain here is White Goodman. It was originally Darth Chase because I did get a little bit pissed off at you whenever we were doing a, a little <laughs> bit of the pre-draft stuff. So I uh, had to Photoshop your face on a Darth Maul for a little bit. But you know we're past that. We're over it now. I had to pick an actual villain. So we're White Goodman from Dodgeball. Love it. Love it. Yeah, man, that that's going to be a fun one that you can use uh, all sorts of different images and, and, and GIFs throughout the the season. So, dude, it's going to be a blast. Like it, it's uh, one of the, the most active. All Heisman leagues are super active, but this is going to be one of the most engaging, interactive leagues that you're going to be a part of. Um, and I'm ready for it. Like the, the next month's going to be a blast of the draft. And then as we roll into the season, just having 36 teams that you can trade with a relegation aspect to it as well. So like, it's like, you know, if anyone is a, a soccer fan out there, a football fan, uh, you're going to have a relegation league after year one where 12 teams drop down. And so we'll have a 24 team up top, 12 teams down low. You can play your, you know, win your way out of relegation going to be a freaking blast. So I don't want to end up in relegation year one, which is why I'm, worried about potentially losing 45% of my budget and a lot of that on Kyler who you don't know who how long he's going yeah. to play year one so you're gonna have to do a little bit of work to like a quarterback room to yeah. potentially keep yourself out maybe maybe get some old scrappy vets or something late but oh absolute blast and uh let's kick it off on the actual pod right now though and we're gonna go into doing the last kind of last week of what we're doing with my projection model that I have built out I've been updating it um, again, if you want access to it and you want to hear through, literally go through four hours of projection talk over the past two weeks, go back and listen to the last two episodes of the overreaction pod, absolute grinds. We're going to try to keep it a little bit short, shorter today, but there's a lot of information dumped. And I really wanted to look at what the major takeaways were from that. And so what I did, this one's going to be a little bit more redraft focus, and we're going to do an underdog aspect to this show and so we're going to be looking at what the difference is between my projections and what currently is the status of underdog adp for these players and see where there's some potential you know guys that you could take a little bit of a reach on if i think they're going to be better and you agree with me or some potential fades if they don't come out well in my projections compared to where they're being taken positionally you might have a little bit of an edge on some people who have a little bit of either hopium or maybe some guys that could could produce a lot more than where they're currently going and why underdog you ask because destination Devi has partnered with underdog fantasy for the upcoming season so if you do use promo code tfdr at sign up you can get up to a 100 deposit match on your first deposit 
And if you do deposit $10 or more, you will get one year access to the Destination Debbie Discord. Hands down the best place to be in fantasy and for underdog uh, sheets dropping. We've talked about it all the time. Sheets dropping every single week with updated information on ADP with spike weeks, floor weeks, different things like that for us to to help maneuver the drafts. You have Cody's projections that you can get access to um, and, and ha- create your own projections on. And we can kind of discuss today how you can use those for your advantage. So, again, use promo code TFDR at sign up. Be a part of the best community in, in Destination Debbie by depositing that $10 or more and getting up to a $100 deposit match on your first deposit. So uh, please check it out. All right, and with that, let's get into our first player. We're going to start with the ones who I am lower on than what the current underdog ADP is telling us. So we're just going to look at a position-by-position position ranking, and the first guy that first guy on here is a full 16 positional ranks lower in my projections than where he is currently in underdog ADP. And it's one guy, it's probably because maybe I have a little bit of bias, just potentially, (laughs) but it's the Seattle Seahawks running back, Kenneth Walker. I have coming in as the 31st overall running back compared to underdogs ADP of 15. And that one feels gross to look at for Kenneth Walker, who we were putting up at top five running back last year. Yeah. And so when you say, you know, ADP or when you're talking about that, like it is running back position. So he's running back position 15 in uh, underdog going off the board at uh, ADP of actually 51. And so he is, you know, uh, kind of a, I guess, late fourth, early fifth kind of round uh, pick when you're looking at these drafts. But the big thing here is you look at the projections that you have and it sounds kind of crazy when you're like, oh, my gosh. You know, Kenneth Walker being RB 31. Well, when you have 200 rushes, 900 yards, seven touchdowns, and only 26 receptions with another additional touchdown, it's really hard to imagine Kenneth Walker, even if you wanted to say he's going to be a, a little bit higher, you can see that, but not a lot higher. Like he's not going to all of a sudden just get 300 carries. Zach Charbonnet is not going to be a, a bench warmer for him. So, I'm really interested to see how it actually plays out, but tell me about your thoughts on, on him being RB 31. What got you to that? I know, I know Charbonnet's a little bit in there, but talk to me about how you really got to, uh, to, to Kenneth Walker be a 31. Yeah. So I've got 351 rushes for the running backs in this offense. And truthfully, it's only running through Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. The biggest thing here is I've got him at a pretty decent split. It's 204 rushes, like you said, for Walker, and I have and I have Charbonnet coming in at 128 rushes. Um, with this team still passing more, you also brought in JSN as a rookie this year. I think this team's going to be a little bit more balanced, and so the rushes might not be there. While bringing in both Zach Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker, if the split looks like this. I just don't know that Kenneth Walker is going to get enough work on the ground. Now, maybe he's more of the goal line back. I currently have the the touchdown split between seven touchdowns and five touchdowns for Walker and Charbonnet respectively. But between those two, like if you're not getting a massive touchdown work, you're under a thousand yards. And I have Charbonnet being a better receiving back, which, you know, Kenneth Walker looks serviceable in that. But Zach Charbonnet coming out has a much better passing game out of the backfield, in my opinion, coming out of UCLA. I've got the split going between 40, almost 40 receptions for Charbonnet and 20, 26 for Kenneth Walker. I just don't know where the work comes for Kenneth Walker to be this top 16 overall running back unless he just commands such a larger workload than what I currently have projected compared to Charbonnet. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair, though, right? Like, you're talking about a second-round running back that they just took. I know Kenneth Walker is as well, but you're still projecting an additional 80 carries for Kenneth Walker. So um, while I, I still think the projection's a little low, in my opinion, but at the same time, like, I can't sit here and say, like, oh, yeah, he's going to be you know, running back 16 based on what I'm, I'm looking at here. Like I, I have a really hard time looking at this and seeing where you're in a split up Charbonnets and, and even the rest of the team carries. Cause you have 400 plus total carries on the ground for the entire team, 350 for the running back position. And if 200 of those are going to, uh, to Kenneth Walker, I, I'm with you. So when you're looking at the underdog ADP, you know, he's, he's going off the board. Like I mentioned at, at uh, ADP 51.6 is where he's at. And in terms of running backs on the board there, you're talking about just ahead of, he's going just ahead of Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones. He's going a few picks ahead of JK Dobbins and a full 10 picks ahead of, you know, Miles Sanders, Alexander Madison, who we'll touch on later. And even, uh, you know, Damian Pierce. And all of these guys are, are guys that I would project to be a little bit uh, at least, Know, better on on the ground than, than Kenneth Walker is going to be in, in this upcoming season. Yeah, it, it's really just going to be does Zach Charbonnet actually take over that role? I think he's well good enough to to do that. I know Kenneth Walker was good, but we've also seen a lot of kind of hit pieces come out about Kenneth Walker over the past couple of weeks. You know, people don't think he's maybe that efficient, and some of the secondary metrics don't look all that great. I love Ken, I love Zach Charbonnet, and so I, th- I think this is a very reasonably projected split. And so if, if you if you agree with that assessment, Kenneth Walker probably deserves to be a good bit lower and maybe fades some Kenneth Walker in your UD drafts. Yeah. And then, you know, looking at the, you know, we're talking about a one year basis and this is just projections, but th- this might be something that you can you can use to your advantage. Like like we mentioned, you can use it in the redraft focus, but in the dynasty aspect as well. Um, if you're drafting in a startup, maybe Kenneth Walker, someone that's going to be going a little bit lower than anticipated. Um, you know, we already projected a, a decreased workload since Charbonnet did come on board. And do you really want to see that play out? So if you can get yourself, you know, the, the pre Charbonnet uh, uh, value for Kenneth Walker, go get it. Like at least shop him, see what he's worth. You don't need to put him on the block, but go send out the deals that you're looking for so that you can move within a tier and maybe add yourself some additional draft capital uh, to, to improve your team. It's just, it's things to look at uh, to really maximize your roster. Yeah. And real quick before we do, t- Get out of here on Char- yeah. on uh, Kenneth Walker. Last thing you did touch touch on the dynasty portion of it. RB eight off the board and the yeah. and the Koopa ADP data that we're pulling. I think that's just way too high. Yeah, I I like Kenneth Walker. I do. I think his skill set's very good. I love J.K. Dobbins, and I feel like that's kind of what you're talking about here. You're talking about a guy that doesn't get a lot in the air, really good on the ground, or you hope he's really good on the ground. But the difference is, is one has a, a a second round running back that was just brought in, and the other one doesn't. So it's hard for me to to get Kenneth Walker much higher than that. So if yeah, if he's RB eight in dynasty, and you can get RB eight prices, then capitalize. Yeah, definitely do that. Let's talk about another guy who he's actually kind of seen that decline already happen for him, and that is in Debo Samuel. He is coming in at the. Let's see here. He's coming in at underdog ADP of 17 at the wide receiver position. I have him projected out as my 32nd wide receiver in 2023 for a difference in 15 positional ranks. Yeah, and and the the big shocker here when we we discussed this uh, the other week was the fact that you have Brandon Ayuk so much higher in, in terms of uh, targets. You have 120 targets going to, to Ayuk and 102 going to Debo. Um, and, and this may be Brandon Ayuk's breakout year, but you're you're talking about 
uh, a total of 286 targets to the the wide receiver position. And those two are the being the only wide receivers over 100. Obviously, Kittle's going to be to factor in there as well to uh, to to improve the the overall targets for the 49ers because they they will pass the ball. It looks like you have uh, right around 500 times total. Uh, but you have you know Kittle, and then you also have CMC. Let's not forget like the most incredible pass catching weapon out of the backfield in Christian McCaffrey. So those targets are going to be distributed around. And if Debo Samuel's getting 100 targets. I, I could see this flipping. I really could. I could see Debo getting 120 targets. And even if you did that, him increasing from RB th- or wide receiver 32 um, to maybe wide receiver 24, you could see if he gets 18 additional targets, maybe add on 12 catches and, and, you know, uh, 150 to 200 yards. You're talking a sub 1000 yard receiver. And yes, he's going to get work on the ground, but like what you have him projected 51 rushes for 300 yards. So, best case scenario a 1200 yard season uh, both in the air and on the ground and that's going to be a back end wide receiver too yeah i don't think At this best. one really takes all that much analysis it, it is just that i have brandon now you could be coming the one in the wide receiver game for this team and really the biggest one that i might have to go back and look at and at I just pulled it up here, though, and Brandon Ayuk, I actually have been at seven receiving touchdowns compared to Debo's four, and I could see that being a pretty high-variance thing between the two, but just pulling it up right now, Debo in his season high has only had a six, has had six receiving touchdowns. The other three years, three touchdowns, one touchdown, and two touchdowns through the air. If he doesn't get the receiving touchdown work, I, I don't see how he gets that much higher than this current rank unless he does really return as that alpha number one wide receiver and beats out Brandon Ayuk by a good 30, 40 targets. Yeah, right now, just looking at the actual ADP that he's coming off the board for underdog, um, he's currently sitting at 34.3. So he is right there with, you know, just after Brees Hall, before Amari Cooper, before Najee Harris, Keenan Allen. I mean, there's some names on here where I'm just like, I just, I just can't possibly imagine Debo Samuel outproducing some of these guys. So when you're looking in that season long format, Debo has been a big fade for me ever since he had his breakout year. I've, I sold him everywhere in January or February where I had him and was done. I, I just got out, threw up the deuces and capitalized on the value. Just didn't think it was going to happen again. And, and it very well may, you know, like you said, it's, but I just feel like the, the projection for that offense is it's going to end up going more towards Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, and as you were working through that ADP right there, I can guarantee you I don't have a single depot share in underdog. <laughs> Absolutely <don't>. no chance. <laughs> Just not at that ADP that feels way too inflated, even if even if he takes over as the wide receiver one outright again. Just way too high. Um, I, th- I think that's all I got on the San Francisco wide receivers. Unless you got anything else, we can move into Jacksonville. Yeah, no, I think that pretty much covers it there. So as you mentioned, we're going to jump into the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the next one that you have here that you're a little bit lower on is Calvin Ridley. Um, so you actually have him projected at wide receiver 30, whereas underdog has him at wide receiver 16. So a 14 uh, positional point difference there, or positional ranking difference at the wide receiver position. Now talk to me a little bit why you have Calvin Ridley where you do. This one's going to be... Uh, This one, honestly, looking at it, I still haven't gone through and made a complete second sweep of my rankings. And this one's one that just off the core of it, I can definitely see this one coming closer. Uh, We've seen Calvin Ridley 
look look good in drills and on the field and everything. And as long as that continues, I probably will put the split closer. I currently have Kirk at 142 targets compared to only 110 for Calvin Ridley. And I think that's really where this one separates itself. Calvin Ridley coming in under a thousand yards and seven touchdowns. It's a it's a mid wide receiver, you know, back end wide receiver two, wide receiver three year. I've got him here at 30, but um, I, I do think that this one will rise for Calvin Ridley, and this will come probably closer to only about 10 points or 10 ranks between my ranks and underdog ranks. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I looked at with this offense, is it's going to come down to the actual passing volume that Jacksonville does have. You actually have them projected at 612 pass attempts, uh, 356 of those going to the wide receiver position. Um, obviously, Ingram's in play, running backs, whether it's going to be Tank or ETN are going to be in play as well. But that's going to get us up to that 600 number. Now, even if you took Christian Kirk, you have him at 142 targets, Calvin Ridley at 110. If you put Christian Kirk back at the same uh, target share that your targets that he had last year with 133. So just taking 10 and adding that to Calvin Ridley, that might be a little boost to him. But as you mentioned, it takes him into that mid wide receiver two range. It doesn't take him to high end wide receiver two, unless there's some, you know, spectacular, production i just feel like that offense is going to be too balanced and that's going to be the big thing you're going to have pass catchers all over the field it's not like calvin ridley is going to be looked to game in and game out to get you know 10 targets 12 targets every single game they can pass it to anybody who is open and that's the distribution of that offense and i feel like that's the big hit for ridley while he might be very good he might look good his upside is going to be capped based on how that offense runs and really what they decide to do in terms of like target distribution. So he's not Devonte Adams. That's the big thing, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't project him to come back and be Devonte Adams. <laughs> I don't project him to come back and just step That's, in yeah. as a alpha wide receiver one in just terms of target share for this team. I still love Christian Kirk, the player. I think he showed out and balled out last year. That obviously helps that he's already had the season with Trevor Lawrence compared to Calvin Ridley having to come in and establish that connection. And like I said, it looks good, but I just don't see the split being that much between them. And even if you want to flip it, you're probably looking more with mid wide receiver two to back end wide receiver two than really the wide receiver three where I have him projected out here. And you mentioned those total pass attempts and we're really relying on the volume here. 612 pass attempts does come in as my sixth highest passing team in 2023 so that's a pretty high projection for them already and i know i did boost that number up a good bit from them last year and and ridley's going in the same range in uh in underdog adp he's going right ahead of debo samuel at 31.9 um so he's wide receiver 16 off the board as you mentioned and again same range he's going just behind dk metcalf and Brees hall and ahead of Najee, keenan allen christian watson deandre hopkins travis Etienne, etc jameer gibbs even um i just have a hard time it's the projecting aspect right like obviously we've seen calvin ridley be very good when he was the alpha in an offense when he was in atlanta like he had the one season that he really broke out and then obviously the the mental aspects and the suspension and everything else that kind of came into play after that so i i'm cautiously optimistic that he can return to form but again it's just i feel like it's a different offense now than what he had in atlanta and while he might be very good he's he's going to be a, a a replaceable receiver at the position uh, so if you are drafting him in underdog i think i'd be taking him over uh debo samuel uh, i think I in agree. that range i feel good with but I, I have a tough time taking him over, uh, you know, 
Keenan Allen, at least this year. Um, what are you doing? Just curious with Calvin Ridley and dynasty. Like, are you, did you have, did you buy any of him when you could? Um, are you considering it now? I don't have any Calvin Ridley. Uh, it's mostly due to the fact that I like Christian Kirk more. So okay. there's, yeah. I don't, I don't think many people have it valued that way and anywhere it would be valued that way. If I had any shares, I would be pivoting off my Calvin Ridley to get Christian Kirk plus. So uh, I, th- I think that's kind of where it lies there. He would be the one that I'd be most willing to take the risk on. Like he's a guy in underdog. I can still see myself drafting and have drafted in some places. This is more of, this is more of a fluid situation and an unknown situation where I do think it is still within his range of outcomes to come back and just burst onto the scene and have that role, but still I'm not projecting it. Yeah. That's the big difference exactly between like him and Debo for me, like Debo. I feel like he had his one wonderful season. That was an outlier season. I think he could be good. Calvin really, I think can, can still uh, be more consistent than what Debo is. And I guess maybe in best ball, you want that volatility, but I think Calvin really is going to have more opportunities to hit my lineup uh, than what Debo will. So yeah, I'm I'm willing to take that chance more on on Ridley than I am Debo Samuel. All right. You want to move on from there to the lead wide receiver in the green Bay Packers offense. I mean, that it's an interesting uh, way to call him the lead wide receiver, but yeah, I mean, Christian Watson, uh, so we have Christian Watson here uh, coming in at your projected wide receiver 33 and uh, underdog has him at wide receiver 20. So a 13 positional difference there uh, where you actually have him a bit lower. You do have him at 115 targets leading the team in targets for 900 yards, six touchdowns. What's the big crux for or reason why you have Watson so low? All goes back to Jordan Love, man. Uh, I know I know we talked about it on the NFC pod, I think two weeks back. I just don't really have faith in Jordan Love being better than what Aaron Rodgers was last year. And if he's not better than what Aaron Rodgers was last year, this offense was pretty bad last year. Yeah. And so if could could it happen again? This is another one where it's just it's just a bet on what Jordan Love is. As of right now, I'm not bought in, and so the offense is going to suffer as a whole because of that. However, if you are a Jordan Love believer, could this number like easily get up to 140 targets for Christian Watson? Definitely could, but with only 547 pass attempts coming from Jordan Love, as I currently have it out right now, at a 64% completion percentage, I just don't know where the volume is coming from for Christian Watson to really be week over week consistent and over the course of a season be a wide receiver too. Yeah, I mean, uh, lots of inexperience in this wide receiver room. Lots of it. And you have an inexperienced quarterback. And I know Jair Alexander came out and, and said that, you know, Jordan Love is is the real deal. So uh, I don't know if that's just them hyping up their guy at this point. I mean, it, it's we're in the heart of overreaction season, right? Uh, Obviously, him saying he's the best quarterback in the NFL, I think, is is a crock. But um, <laughs> that's not true. Best quarterback on the team, probably true. Uh, I just, yeah, I'm with you. It, you're talking about a, a max opportunity of like 550 attempts. They're not going to throw the ball more than that. And I think 550 is already high. You have a 547, I believe. Yeah, 547. Yep. So I, I even feel like that's high. I know that offense typically does that with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know that they're just going to unleash the Jordan love cannon. And that's my, my hesitation on Watson. I still really like Christian Watson. I do um, season long eight, you know, looking at underdog, not necessarily someone I'm excited about. I feel like if I 
start a draft off where I'm able to get myself a, a Tyreek Hill, get myself a, a true alpha, uh, you know, Jefferson Chase, any of the first round wide receivers, and I can have Christian Watson as maybe my two or three. Yeah, g- give me that because I do know that when Christian Watson does hit, he's going to hit some home runs for you. Uh, he has that big play ability. You know, we've seen him score three touchdowns in a game. I know that that kind of thing is a rarity, but he's done it before. He can do it again, as, as our as our guy Ben says, right? He's he's done it. So he might be able to do that kind of thing again for your fantasy lineup when you're talking about best ball. Yeah, so the one I, thing I will say about Christian Watson, though, sorry to cut you off. There, oh, you're good, you're good. The, the one thing I would say about him is I have this team pretty well split up in the way they distribute their targets. And yeah. while I do think that's probably going to happen, it could be where this offense becomes a lot more centralized. I only have him, you know, like 20, 20 targets over Romeo Dobbs. Jaden Reed still gets 60. Dontavian Wicks at this time is kind of a placeholder to see who wins out the wide receiver four role. And I still have, you know, another 50 targets between the rest of the wide receivers here. If that does become more consolidated and we do see this offense, you know, consolidate itself towards just the wide receivers projected out right now of probably like Watson, Dobbs and Reed, the only ones being on the field. It could be that he gets up into that 140 range a lot easier if he's able to play all 17 games. Yeah, right now, Christian Watson is you know, a 39.3 ADP. So he's an early fourth round pick in uh, an underdog drafts. And so he's going just behind the ones we mentioned earlier with, with Ridley, Debo, Keenan Allen, uh, Watson. So he's right there. And I would, I would actually have no problem. As I mentioned, if I, if I'm banking on Christian Watson as my wide receiver one in underdog, you did it wrong. Um, (laughs) That's just the plain and simple, but most likely if I have him as my two, maybe my three, I think if, if I have him as my three, I feel really, really good. He's a guy I'm willing to take that shot on in that range uh, just because of of what that home run hit could look like. Yeah, and I, th- I think from there, if you got anything else, let me know. But I think yep. we're good there. We can move into the last fade that I have. And you can, you can tell these are my projections because there's a lot of guys that we've been mentioning who I am just personally lower on. That's how it's going to come out all of my – you know, some of my bias is going to play into this. And the last guy is the wide receiver one again projected. Oh, he's definitely the wide receiver one for the Chicago Bears. The trade acquisition of DJ Moore is where we're going to jump to next. So this one is just going to be tied to the arms of Justin Fields, right? I'm sure you've heard me talk about Justin Fields before on this pod. And unless this offense does things that Justin Fields has not shown me in the first two years of his career, where does DJ Moore get there? His stat line actually looks incredibly similar to that of Christian Watson. Yeah, so you're looking at DJ Moore with 114 targets. As you mentioned, Christian Watson was at 115. But uh, DJ Moore, 69 catches, 924, and 4. And that kind of season is going to, to rank out as uh, wide receiver 36. Uh, underdog has him at wide receiver 26, which I think is probably more the high end. Like, when I... When I first saw the target share and I first saw the numbers that you had for DJ Moore, I laughed and I was like, I know you hate the Chicago bears or you don't hate the Chicago bears. You hate Chicago in general. And you, you question Justin Fields and this offense as a whole, which no doubt about it, have every reason to do that. But then I looked at like the passing attempts and I'm like, this team is not going to pass the ball 550 times. Like the, the Packers will. This is going to have a lot of uh, run-based packages. They're projected to throw 440 times. 
if that's the case, like even a 25, 30% market share puts him in that 114 to 125 range. And with what accuracy we've seen from Justin Fields and the amount of times he's been scrambling for his life, like I just don't know that DJ Moore is going to get himself into that 140, 150, 160 target range to truly cement himself in as that mid to late wide receiver two that we've seen him be, you know, perennially. Yeah, it, it does make it does make me concerned because you look back at DJ Moore and the the argument is always going to be, okay, well DJ Moore has played with you know below average quarterbacks his entire life, and Justin Fields has a lot of room to grow. I do not doubt that at all. I have Justin Fields as a passer growing pretty exponentially from where he was last year compared to just stats where I statted him out this year. But DJ Moore in the league that I just pulled up the last four years PPR wide receiver 24, 18, 23, 16. And so you're looking at it and saying, how does the wide receiver who just transferred from the Carolina offense that really has never had a quarterback there with him go to Justin Fields and get so much worse down to wide receiver 30 as he's projected out here? And it's because of the pass attempts, even though those quarterbacks were bad there, you're only looking at 442 pass attempts for the Bears, which I have as a league low. And if you think that that's ridiculous, just go back to last year and they only passed the ball 377 times. <laughs> so I have him passing for another like 70 times this year. I, I don't know where it comes from unless they pass the ball literally 120 more times. DJ Moore's probably not going to be a wide receiver too. Yeah, I, I do think I think they're obviously like last year was an outlier season, an outlier of the of the low for for Chicago. And I still think that they're going to be a mediocre to bad offense, you know, mediocre at best. So even if you add them the additional 70 uh, pass attempts that you did, tack on another 30 to 40, and you're still adding what maybe uh, if you're not talking about 30% market share for him, you're only talking about 10 to 15 targets additional. Like, I, I have a really tough time finding a way to get him to 150 targets without just some astronomical jump in this offense. And I, I don't know what to do with DJ Moore. He's been like my biggest mystery. I was like super interested in him at one point because I was like, man, this is the best situation he's been in, best quarterback he's played with. But I I just can't pull myself to, to, to draft him. It's it's all tied to the arm of Justin Fields, man. Like if you want to stack yeah. him with Justin Fields and underdog, I'm perfectly fine with it yeah. because Justin Fields should still be very, very good for fantasy. I'm I'm okay with it. I know I'm lower, but I, I think I've gone out there and done it in underdog drafts. But looking at where I have it projected out now, I have him for 44% of wide receiver targets and 26% of all targets in the offense. The 26% is a little low, but still 44% of the wide receiver targets in this offense and 26 overall. Again, I just, unless you're getting me up to 500 passes for this offense up from 377 last year, I just don't see where it happened. Could it happen? And could this offense completely revolutionize itself? Sure, it could. Is it that drastic of a jump from year two to year three? I'm going to bet against it. Yeah, I feel like that's probably the safe bet. And, you know, there are people that are very excited about DJ Moore still. And so, like, if I'm in Dynasty and I'm looking for the ability to move within a tier, I have no problem moving DJ Moore. Like, he's in that flat range of wide receivers that, that Scott Connor talks about all the time um, and that we've talked about as well. It's like DJ Moore is one that I have no problem moving if I can move within that tier, 
get a player and a pick. Like if I'm able to, to acquire assets, I, I'm absolutely doing it because there are people that believe DJ Moore uh, is going to have the best season of his career. So looking to take advantage of that when it comes to underdog itself, you know, he is going, he's sandwiched between Terry McLaurin and Christian Kirk and both of which I would be taking over DJ Moore at this point in time. I would do that as well. They're projected out to have, you know, 200 pass attempts more in their offense as I currently have it. And so again, take the Justin Fields bet and take the Justin Fields bet on the production increasing that much. If you want to, I just don't think it's advisable. Yep. I, uh, I am right there with you, my friend. So like you said, that was the last one that you were lower on. Now let's get into some that you are a bit higher on and we will finally get into, uh, I guess, get back to the running back position you have one, and I, and I, I I question it, but you have one Devon A-Chain here. And yeah. tell me a little bit about why you have Devon A-Chain, because right now, just to, to let them know, you you projected him at wide receiver, sorry, running back 24, and Underdog has him at running back 39, so you are a full 15 positional you know players ahead of where Underdog is ranking him. Now, I do think 39 is a little bit freaking ridiculous for Devon A-Chain. I, I fully come out and say that. But A-Chain is the one I feel the worst about out of all these guys that I'm saying to draft above ADP. And it's just because of what Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson have been. Uh, I have him statted out for 165 carries compared to Raheem Mostert's 103. Jeff Wilson's 51. And he's also leading the receiving work. This is one that's very, very fluid for me, and I could see this changing and actually I could see it cratering back to that 39 overall. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think they brought him into this offense for a reason to try to be at least the main focus in the running back role or in the running back room. I don't think he's going to be a, you know, like 60% guy. I only have him for 165 attempts on the ground. It is the lead, but I expect him to lead this three headed room. And if he does that, I think he's at least worthy of a running back three. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, you had him at leading the, that running back room, 165 carries, about 800 yards, six touchdowns, and another 318 yards receiving. So you are projecting him to lead the backfield. I know uh, we, we looked at this beforehand, so you have 345 rush attempts for the running back position. And, you know, I went back and I was like, oh, you know, Jeff Wilson, he had 171 attempts and, and you know, uh, uh, Raheem Mostert had 181 and I didn't, you know, think about the math of Jeff Wilson not being there that entire time. He actually only had 80 attempts as a, uh, as a Miami dolphin. So I just don't know which dolphins offense we're going to see the one early on that passed a ton or the one that was a little bit more balanced. I, mean, I shouldn't say a little bit more balanced, but at least ran the ball a little bit more towards the end of the season when, uh, when Mostert and Jeff Wilson were both there. However, Neither of them were really healthy. So all I know is bottom line, one of these three is getting left out. I, it could be a rookie. It could be Mostert. It could be Wilson, depending on injury. But it feels like one of them is going to get left out. Yeah, you're only talking an increase in terms of total running back rushes from 329 last year to 345, as I currently have it statted out. So it's pretty consistent year to year, just a small uptick of not or just under a rush per game increase. I think that's very feasible. It is literally just going to be a thing of monitoring. Is Devon A chain actually running with the ones? Is he, is, is the camp hype coming out that he's taking over the kind of lead role? He's an integral part of the offense. They're going to use him or is it something where we're still 
projecting that Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, while healthy and for the beginning of the year at least, are going to be the leads in this backfield. Just one to monitor as we go through, but at his current ADP, I think Devon A. Chain's a little bit of a steal, if my projection's right, that he's the one. The one thing I want to note with this offense is, is Mike McDaniel last year had said that he is going to ride the hot hand, and he proved true through the entire season that he was willing to ride the hot hand. There's no alpha in this backfield unless someone does step up and, and step out or, uh, you know, kind of shine in camp. It's not going to be most certain. It's not going to be Jeff Wilson. I can tell you that we know what they are. So Devon a chain has every opportunity here. Um, as you mentioned, he is going to be running back 39 coming off the board at 118.1 in actual underdog ADP. So here's the names around him. Brian Robinson. Damian Harris, Zay Jones, Jacoby Myers, Elijah Mitchell, Jamal Williams. Like it's kind of a hodgepodge here of, of just questions in a way. And so if you're looking for home run ability in best ball, I'm willing to take the bet on Devon a chain. So I, I, while I think that your projection might be a little bit high for best ball itself, that's to me, it seems like he's a value at the 118 spot here. Um, in this range, like I would have no problem taking Devon A chain as my running back four, running back five, where all you're looking for is a big play, which he is obviously a big play machine. All he is made for, man. That's that track speed. That's that track yep. speed right there. Uh, let, let's move into another guy, though, where, you know, maybe he's the wide receiver one. A lot of people would say he isn't because he's about to be taken over. But uh, a guy that we've been talking in, uh, talking down on in this pod for a long while has been who I believe is the one B in this offense. George Pickens, his teammate, Deontay Johnson, who I have a full where, where is that one? That's a full 15 points high, or 15 positional ranks higher than underdog ADP. Just I mean, Deontay caught zero touchdowns last year. I get it. Is he going to do that again? No. I don't believe that could possibly happen if he's playing all 17 games and Kenny Pickett improves at all from being CJ Beathard level as a passer <laughs> with touchdown efficiency. So talk to me. Am I crazy with giving Deontay such a higher target share than I am George Pickens? So that's what I wanted to check with you on. You know, you have Deontay with 154 targets, where you have George Pickens just about 100. So you have him at 98. So a big, a large 50 target, 55 target discrepancy uh, between the two. And we know Deontay has consistently been that that underneath that that target hog. That's kind of what his role is in the offense. He's not going to be a big yak guy, um, but he could catch and possess and and get get himself open. George Pickens has been a big play monster. Everyone thinks that what happened last year is going to be that step forward. Why did you project them to have such a discrepancy with, you know, what is projected to be a, an improved offense from last year to this year? Because I think Deontay Johnson's a far superior player than George Pickens. <laughs> I mean, it really comes down to that. This is probably one of my larger biases between the two. Um, I like George Pickens for what he is for the NFL. I think he's a very good, big play, large-bodied wide receiver. But Deontay Johnson, in my opinion, is just still by far and away the number one target share leader in this team. Um, he, he was that last year. We only saw George Pickens coming in with 5.76 targets per game. Or actually, that's what I have projected out this year. It's 5.76 targets per game, an increase from his 4.94 targets per game last year. So I think that's just it. Like, I just don't have that big of a jump from George Pickens year one to year two. And I have Deontay Johnson doing basically what he's done for the entirety of his career, but just catching six touchdowns this year. 
Yeah, I mean, Mike Williams is the easy, I guess, the low-hanging fruit in this conversation. You know, we've seen Mike Williams do it as a true number one, but I don't think that that's what George Pickens' game is. Like, you know, even looking at last year, he never commanded targets enough where he was just running that offense. So I don't know that that's going to be the case for George Pickens. I still think he's going to be in that, like you mentioned, five to six, maybe seven target range um, is what you'll see, maybe a high of eight or nine. I just don't see him being the target monster. He's going to be big play threat, big splashy plays, go up and get it. We're going to see them on highlight reel, reels and everything like that. So it gets us all excited. But in terms of fantasy, he's going to be a boom bust player for is what George Pickens is. Deontay is going to be the more consistent guy. As you mentioned, having zero touchdowns really, really crushed what everyone's hopes and dreams were for Deontay. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he can still command the same target share that he has been and put up another thousand yard season on a hundred catches, that's what he is. It's not going to put him in the top 12, you know, wide receiver discussion, but it's definitely going to solidify him in that, that mid wide receiver two range. If he's able to do that this year. Now, the one thing I could see as I go back through this one, I don't remember if I've made a second pass at this team since Allen Robinson was taken over or took over the three role on this team. And I currently have him statted out for 75 targets and that feels high for Allen Robinson, which is <laughs> difficult to say. But what I don't think that that does is take away from what Deontay Johnson is. I think that just That's gives true. a little bit to George Pickens and makes Deontay and Pickens closer in terms of where I would have them projected out. And if anything, that just gives more targets to Deontay. And so I don't see him going down at all whenever I do make that second pass. So you do have, uh, you know, Deontay here. I'm just looking at uh, underdog ADP. He's going off the board at 65.6. Uh, so he's kind of sandwiched in between, you know, JSN, Tyler Lockett, Deontay, Mike Evans, Traylon, Addison, Kadarius Tony. Uh, he's, he is ahead of George Pickens. He is ahead of George Pickens by about eight picks, which is which is good to see. Um, any any names there that you'd look to take him over? Like I, I, that's my, that's my big thing. Like in underdog for season long value, do you think he's going to go that much higher above some of these? Give, some give of these me a couple guys? of those. Like, na- give me a couple of those names again. So like JSN, like I think he could go ab- above JSN potentially. Yep. Like Tyler Lockett, Hollywood, uh, Michael Pittman, Godwin. Pittman and, I, Pittman and Godwin, I could see. I think they kind of play, at least yeah. Godwin, they play kind of a similar role, and then you're just betting on which offense you actually think is going to be better this year. And my, you know, the answer I want to say is neither. But <laughs> um, I, I just, Deontay Johnson, I think he's a better like wide receiver three in terms of just underdog best ball, where he's just going to be that floor guy for you. I don't, he's not that kind of big play, big play, big game wide receiver, more than likely. But he's going to be a very consistent wide receiver, two to wide receiver, three week over week for you. And that, that's what I'm looking for in that range. I think Deontay fits the mold. Yep. No, that, that makes a ton of sense there. So uh, any last things you want to touch on with Deontay? No, we can move into the next one. Bring it up. So yeah, I just mentioned his name, Mr. Hollywood Brown himself. You actually have him projected out as wide receiver 15 this season where underdog has him at wide receiver 31. So you are a full 16 spots higher um, than underdog is. And you have him projected out. Obviously, this is all with, uh, you know, Hopkins off of the roster. But Hollywood's about 160 targets. I mean, it's him, Rondale, Greg Dortch, Michael Wilson. Ball's got to go somewhere. Oh, God. This is one that it 
shocked me whenever it first came out. Um, cause, cause you're looking at it and the biggest thing for me is how many times does this team pass? They are going to be so bad again. And the reason that they, this offense was high powered last year was because they were so bad and they just had to throw the ball. Now, does that stay the same without Cliff Kingsbury there? And they're just like, Hey, we're just going to try to be more of a Carolina Panthers system where we're just going to run the rock with James Conner and nobody else because our second best running back is Corey Clement. I don't think that really works either. So I don't know how this team is going to operate, but last year they passed the ball a ton. I could see it happening again this year. Even if it is Clayton tune starting week one, they're going to be down and they're going to have to throw. And it turns out with Hollywood having 160 targets. Yeah. And I don't know if everyone really remembers what Hollywood was doing before he got one before he got hurt, but also before Deandre Hopkins came back last season, but like he was an, absolute hog and I, I know kyler was there and who knows who's actually the quarterback but he had like what 17 target game he averaged i believe 12 or 13 targets a game through those first six weeks he was just on fire um looked like he was you know the hollywood we all wanted him to be a top 12 wide receiver so I am very interested to see what Hollywood can do. I feel like people have, he, he has trouble staying healthy as we've noted, you know, that's the big knock on him. But if he's on the field, he is an absolute electric player, big play machine. If he does get those targets that he's, you know, projected to get and, you know, getting 12 targets a game on average type of situation. I mean, guess, you know, not a, that shouldn't happen. If that's the case, he's going to be getting, you know, damn near 200 freaking targets in the season, but he's going to be getting like nine to 10 and he can get eight to 10 catches type of thing. Who knows what will happen with, uh, with Hollywood. Yeah. But before he, before he went out for the injury, he was averaging 10.7 targets per game. And then he had the injury and Deandre Hopkins came back and he was still averaging just under nine targets per game. So it literally just depends on the on the passing attempt volume. If he has the volume there and this offense just has to try to bring this team back into games because they are going to be bad again. This defense did not get any better, in my opinion. Tyree Wilson is there, but he's still not even practicing. And they're hoping that he's back by like, I guess, like preseason. I don't know. Like he suffered another setback. <laughs> it doesn't look really great for Tyree Wilson. And I don't think they're one piece away at all from revamping this defense. I don't know how the team's going to run, but all you have is James Conner. You're going to be down a lot. I think Hollywood could be another target hog this year and put up a lot higher season than people are thinking. Yeah, and he is currently at uh, 61.1 ADP on underdog. So he's you know right there in the mix with, as I mentioned earlier, Michael Pittman, Chris Godwin, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Tyler Lockett. And because of the potential volume that he has, I would love to have me some Hollywood Brown. Um, because of the injury risk, when you're looking at underdog type of drafts, you know, you definitely want to have, you know, a couple other options out there, especially with Hollywood having a week 14 buy. But if he's your wide receiver three, uh, you can absolutely smash with him in the lineup and uh, give yourself a good opportunity going forward to uh, to advance. Yeah, wide receiver 15 just seems way too high, though, and I can't really figure out how to get him down unless I take down the Arizona Cardinals passing attempts is really, really high. I'll yeah. probably need to take it down a little bit, but it, it's not going to go too much further past like wide receiver 20, in my opinion. Yeah. Like when you really look at it, it, it 
there's James Conner to run with. There's really no one else in that backfield. I, I legitimately believe Corey Clements is the second best running back in that team right now. Ah, oh, gosh, it's just it's just gross. But yeah, tough offense to to figure out because you know depending on who the quarterback is, that will determine a lot of what this offense actually looks like. Yeah, let's get into another guy who's been potentially undervalued and guy who changed teams this year. Jacoby Myers coming over with Jimmy G to run this Las Vegas Raiders system and, in my opinion, be the wide receiver too. Yeah, you have him projected out with 97 targets on this offense for just under 800 yards and a handful of touchdowns. So he is coming off the board at uh, underdog wide receiver 56 your wide receiver 39 so a full 17 spots higher uh, than underdog is on him and it's going to be obviously a run heavy team with josh jacobs right and Devontae adams is going to get his but it feels like jacoby myers is being lost in the mix it feels like he you know he went to he went to las vegas and all of a sudden everyone just forgot that he was one of the most coveted wide receivers this uh this offseason because he's now the number two for sure and it's, he's back with McDaniels and, and, and what Josh McDaniels can do there with Vegas. And I feel like they will feature him. Uh, you know, they found a way to make Mac Hollins look serviceable. I think they can, you know, do some good things with, with Jacoby Myers. <laughs> I think the under thing, underrated thing with Jacoby Myers as well is like, you have a very pissed off Devonte Adams as well here. Yep. If, if, if for some reason he goes down, doesn't want to go forward, decides to shut it down, demands a trade halfway through the year. You could see Jacoby Myers going back to being the number one wide receiver in an offense that Jimmy G's running. And while Jimmy G has never really been a volume happy guy, and I don't think they're going to be that here, he's always been efficient. Now, is that the Shanahan system? Can he convert that and do it with McDaniels? I believe it won't be that bad. While it won't be great, I think it'll be pretty mediocre. And Jacoby Myers could literally step into a wide receiver one role here. While I don't think he has much upside week to week with Devontae Adams there, I still think he gives you pretty solid floor and a good like wide receiver five, wide receiver six for your underdog team. Yeah, I mean, I could easily see him uh, getting himself triple digit targets. You have him at 97. So uh, even if he got, you know, 10, 15 more, I could see that for him in this in this offense depending on what they do with hunter renfro there's been trade rumors things like that and as you mentioned with Devonte adams his potential for a holdout uh does make that situation very interesting and you know i i really like what jacoby myers uh did in new england i just don't know what his upside is i know you have him here in the in the 30s but like going i'm just pulling up up on uh underdog here you know, EP one twenty. Holy cow! Yeah, man. Like literally, wide receiver five to wide receiver six on your team if you build it out that way. <sighs> yeah, I mean, he's going after Devon A. Chain. Like, I think, I mean, he's in there. That yeah, Romeo Dobbs range, Jarek McKinnon, Michael Gallup, uh, Darnell Mooney. Like, oh my goodness, give me Jacoby, uh, Sky Moore, Zay Jones. He's going behind. I mean, <sighs> interesting. Interesting. The, thing, the thing that I will say down in that range, Kobe Myers probably does take a hit of a good, like probably five to six slots just at the wide receiver position because he doesn't offer that upside that we're projecting for, right? Yeah. Like you want those spike weeks in your best ball lineups at the wide receiver positions, especially once you do get further down the board in your wide receiver six, seven, eight building out your team you want those spike weeks and so jacoby myers does probably take a little bit of a hit down the underdog ranks compared to where we would have him just statted out baseline between all wide receivers over the course of the year 
Yeah, I think that's the, the big thing. You talked about Deontay being more of a floor play earlier. Jacoby is more of a floor play. Um, so if you have a bunch of boom busts, wide receivers, or you know, uh, high ceiling guys that you're you know anticipating that might miss out, maybe Jacoby Myers is a great way to fill in. He does have a week 13 bye, but so that is something to kind of keep track of as you're going through your drafts. But I, I don't mind Jacoby being there. As you said, usually when I get later in the drafts, I am looking for the home run hits more than I am the the floor plays. Uh, but he seems to be one of those guys uh, here in, in round 10, basically, where you can you can find one. Yeah, I think. Do you have anything else on this offense where we can get, jump into our last guy? Uh, yeah, let's wrap it up. Is basically the same exact thing as what we just talked about. <laughs> Jacoby Myers, he filled in the role for Jacoby Myers, and it's Juju Smith-Schuster filling in the shoes and trying to be the wide receiver one for the New England Patriots as it sits right now. You know, maybe there's some DeAndre yeah. Hopkins coming in, but as it sits right now, Juju Smith-Schuster being the wide receiver one for the Patriots again doesn't promote provoke a lot of upside potential, but you're still the wide receiver one for a team that's going to be better than it was last year. Juju's a little bit undervalued, in my opinion. Yeah, I he's one of my, I mean, before you even did your projections, he was one of my highest exposure uh, players that I had in underdog. So you actually have him at uh, underdog wide receiver 20, sorry, your wide receiver 29, underdog wide receiver 50. So a large 21 position gap there between the two. You have Juju projected out with 121 targets for 910 yards and six touchdowns, which seems about fitting for what this offense is going to be. Um, and he is going to be the one. A unless DeAndre Hopkins does come there and ruin this, um, it's going to be the Juju Smith-Schuster show. And he's he's going to be a solid back-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three type player. And he's kind of a floor play as well that he's you know where he's going at right now. Yeah, hopefully DeAndre Hopkins doesn't end up signing here on Tuesday as we're recording this one on Monday and completely ruined the last guy on our show. But if, <laughs> if he doesn't, I don't even know that he's necessarily a floor play. I think he still does hold the upside because yeah. we saw how much this offense regressed last year with the defensive coordinator running their system as everybody always wants to you know, contribute yeah. everything to. And while I think that's a very valid argument, I still don't know what the level of progression is for Mac Jones with, you know, a true offense and offensive scheme running this team. But Juju being the one of it, if it does take a large step forward, I think you could actually see more closer to 140, 150 targets. And then he Ooh. turns into a much better wide receiver. I mean, look, are you going to really throw the ball to Devontae Parker, Tyquan Thornton, Kendrick Bourne, Kayshawn Booty, who might be cut before the yeah. season even starts to Mario Douglas? He's the only one there that's even competent right now, in my opinion. And, and I think that's the scary part of, of that offense is he's the only one there right now. <laughs> and so it makes me wonder if they're bringing in somebody else, of course, but also like if he is like, that's probably not good for Mac Jones. Like I, I like Juju, but it's probably not good for that offense as a whole. Uh, if he is getting 150 targets. Just saying, oh man, I, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a thing that totally gets like better for Juju if yeah. DeAndre Hopkins does come in. Like I do think it still truly dampens his upside. But oh god, yeah, this offense, I still don't know where the large projection or the large progression is going to come from because the team, as you read through their roster, just is not very good on the offensive side of the ball unless they're running out Hunter Henry and Mike Kosicki as their wide receiver one and wide receiver two. And actually, in stats, I almost have the or wide receiver two and wide receiver three, and I almost have that 
statted out that way where those two are the second and third receiving options on this team. And then Ramondre being right there in the mix with them. I mean, it's Juju with the wide receiver and then it's a bunch of random pieces. And how do you put an offensive scheme together around that? I don't know, but hopefully Billy Bob can uh, figure that one out. (laughs) <laughs> good old billy bob so so those kind of wrap up the uh the major difference makers or differences that you have as far as uh players that you're higher on or lower on than underdog uh projections right now um any last things you want to touch on before we we kind of close things up here anything you also want to talk about talk about yeah just just the disclaimer before we you know as we wrap up these are going to be just based on my projections there are things to take into account for your underdog leagues for your dynasty teams as well as we really go through and stat out these guys um you know do you want some of those more boom bust weeks compared to your floor guys to fill out the wide receiver position, then maybe you don't put some of these guys as high. I'm definitely not saying to draft them 17 positional ranks over where they're currently going an underdog. That is not it. But is it something where you're looking at three, four guys at the position and you don't really know who to take? If you agree with what I'm saying here, then you might want to lean a little bit more into these guys. And then just last thing before we wrap these up, just to wrap up the total projection series that we've been doing over the last three weeks, If you want access to my projections, you can shoot either me or Chase DM. All you have to do, you can get them for completely free. Just send either me or Chase a screenshot of you following me at Cody Smith TFDR on Twitter at Trophy Chase TFDR and sub to the YouTube at the Fantasy Draft Room. Send us all three of those things. I'll send you over my projections for free. You can play around with the sheet, make a copy of it, do whatever you want. Everything should be integrated. I actually just fixed something right before we went live in the points per game section as well. So it's being updated all the time as these roster moves happen. And soon here over the next week or two, I'll start going through and completely doing a full second sweep, making sure all of the numbers look right and adjust for any changes through the training camps and OTAs that we've been seeing over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. And again, make sure you do use code TFDR at sign up if you are uh, in underdog, uh, because you will get that up to $100 match on your first deposit. And if you do deposit $10 or more, you will get one year access to the Destination Debbie Discord. Um, If you are not going to be part of Underdog, make sure you do join the Discord. Patreon.com forward slash all gas. You can find us in Heisman tier. Uh, That is where we are going to be doing this uh, this lovely 32-day, 36-team, three-copy draft for heroes and villains. Going to be an absolute blast. But it's an incredible community. You can can chat with all of the content creators in there. Make sure you ask your questions, hop in voice chat for strategy and, and different discussions in terms of what, what we're doing in Dynasty. I wish I was joking, but like I, it feels like you're a year plus ahead of all of your Dynasty communities when you tap in. I, I mean, you're just so far ahead, just unreal. So patreon.com forward slash all gas. Make sure you join that Heisman tier. Um, if you can't join Heisman, still some incredible people in that community still have the ability to uh, to to ask all your questions in gen pop trade show, all, all sorts of fun stuff. So yeah, man, with that, let's get out of here, man. Uh, I'm ready to not have sleep for the next 32 days. As I wake up to try to check if I'm being outbid at 3 AM as the player comes off the board. We talked about at the beginning where, uh, where I was winning Kyler Murray. I am no longer winning Kyler Murray. In fact, someone has taken Kyler and, uh, ended up bumping, um, Lamar, it looks like as well. So we have chaos going into the night here. So again, patreon.com forward slash all gas. And thank you so much for joining us here on the overreaction podcast. <laughs> <laughs>